know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29:11, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. If you need hope for your future, God has plans for you, as he told his people through Jeremiah long ago. My guest today has seen proof of that in her own journey as he led her in unexpected ways. I'm talking with Denise Gustafson, who for 10 years taught classes on scripture in the lay division of Denver's St. John Vianney Theological Seminary. Denise wrote a number of reflections for the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, including one on trusting in God's providence that is based on Jeremiah's message that I just read. Denise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm so glad you're here today. Now, Denise, you started teaching scripture relatively late in life. When did you get interested in the Bible? Well, it, it's it's a bit of a journey. And it all started way back in 1994, 1995, right in there. We were new to Colorado. And we went to Mass one Sunday, and the pastor, Father Ken, put out an invitation. And he said, I challenge you to sign up to make a holy hour once a week mm-hmm. in the Adoration Chapel. They have a great chapel in this particular church. So I, I challenge you to do so. And he said, how could I refuse? He said, God will never be outdone in generosity. And if you give one hour, you will be greatly blessed. You have mm-hmm. no idea. And I thought, well, I, I can't refuse that invitation. So you know, I was a, I was a good Catholic at the time, but didn't know sacred scripture. Didn't know didn't know much about sacred scripture. Just the gospels, I would say. I knew a little bit about that. But what happened was, I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to do what Father Ken says. But at the time, it's a little embarrassing. But I was watching ER. Remember that show? We <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> and I think it. I can't remember. I think it came on at nine o'clock at night. And I thought, well, what I'll do is sign up for a half hour. So I can get down there after that show ends. So <laughs> ER being more important than adoration. That's <laughs> terrible. I'll watch my show and then I'll go down. And I'll do a half hour on Thursday night. So whenever night that whatever night that was, and I I called the gal that was heading it up, and she said, "Oh, we don't." I didn't tell her I wanted to watch ER. She said, <laughs> "Well, we don't usually sign people up for a half hour. It's an hour, and we do have an hour available on Sunday night at ten o'clock, ten o'clock in the evening." And I said, "Well." That's kind of late, but okay. So that's what I did. I signed up from 10 to 11 on Sunday nights and I would drive down to that chapel and I fell in love with it. Hmm. I fell absolutely in love with it because that's where Jesus and I just had conversations and I learned in the chapel how to listen. It's just not me talking when I'm praying. I learned how to listen and those visits became very very special to me. That was my hour and I wouldn't give it up for anything. So I I did that for 11 years. That time slot was mine for 11 years and uh, it proved to be life changing. And I, you know, to reflect that, God spoke very, very clearly. Can I ask you a question? So you say that you heard him speaking to you. Was this just was it audible? Was it just a feeling? Did you read it in scripture? How did you start hearing from the Lord in the chapel? 
I can't even describe it. It was like he was in the room. He spoke so clearly. I can't even talk about it without um, getting choked up. So I heard him in my heart. Mm-hmm. I heard him in my heart. And the first time to give you my most profound moment was when my daughter, my daughter's now 40. But when she was 19, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Well, you can imagine as a parent, that is devastating. Mm-hmm. It's just, it rocks your world. And I thought, give me anything, but not my child. Don't touch my children, please. And my husband was pulling things off the internet about what MS can do to a person and so forth. And I finally said, stop. I don't want to hear. I can't do this. That was on a Thursday. And I went to the chapel, my regular time on Sunday. And I went there and I said, the only thing I'm going to do is cry. That's it. Because I don't have any words. And I'm just going to go for an hour. I'm going to bawl my eyes out. And I knelt down and I did say one prayer. And the prayer was, you've got to give me peace. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no peace with this. And you have got to give me peace. Well, I didn't ask that he healed her. I asked for peace. Well, what happened was, I can't, it's hard to describe it, and some people won't believe it, but from the very tip of my head, this warmth started flowing through my body. It just started flowing through my body, through my arms, through my hands, through the rest of my body, down my legs, through my feet, this warmth. And then very, very clearly, he said, Denise, you're not alone on your journey. I'm with Mm. you every step of the way. Beautiful. Was it? And I went, I can't even tell you. I was filled with so much peace. And I have carried that with me all these years. Mm. He's with me on every step of my journey. So So um, where did that journey take you next? Oh, goodness. Um, I kept going. (laughs) He took me. On a journey in ways I never could have imagined. I have an undergraduate degree in accounting, and then I got a teaching credential. So I was a teacher, but staying home to be with my children. But I always said, there are two things I will never, ever do. I will never teach kindergarten, and I will never go back to school. And I just think God must have had a big smile on his face, because guess where he took me? Kindergarten. (laughs) He took me into a kindergarten room and I will tell you, I taught for nine years and I laughed and I laughed. Every day was, was such a joy for me to be with those precious, those precious little ones. They had a lot of love. So he took me there and it was a huge blessing. And in 2005, I signed up for the Denver Catholic Biblical School, which is the St. John Vianney Lay Division, right? I signed up. What prompted you to sign up for that? A student who had gone through the biblical school came to the parish, St. Cabrini, St. Francis Cabrini, where, where we were attending still, and pitched the school. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting, the Bible. So I will tell you this. This is another embarrassing moment. I didn't know really who Moses was. I didn't know that he wandered in the desert for 40 years. Uh-huh. What? I had no idea. That's how green I was. And I started attending and my socks were knocked off. I just Mm -hmm. fell in love with sacred scripture. It was, it was the best thing. 
And so I'm going through the biblical school and in year three, I came home and said to my husband, would you mind if I signed up for a master's degree at the Augustine Institute in biblical theology? Wow. And he said, well, what, why are you asking me? You don't need my permission. And I said, well, and I told him how much it would cost. <laughs> Not to oh. mention the time that it would take. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I'm telling you is very reasonable, but still, it's a big chunk of change. And so he said, you know what, Denise, I would never stand in the way of your dreams. If that's what you want to do, you do it. But why do you want to do that? Why, why do you feel called? And I said, I'm so in love with scripture and it's just for my own benefit. I'm not Mm. going to do anything with it. It's just to enrich my life in my relationship with Christ. So he said, okay. So I signed up and that same year I decided, Holy Spirit, going through the chapel, God plants these seeds. I started going to jail as a volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) I do not get arrested, but I thought, You go to biblical school and God takes you to jail. That's interesting. So sure enough, in 2008, I signed up to be a volunteer. And the chaplain at the time, he said, well, Denise, what do you like to do? I said, I love to teach. And he said, oh, I've started RCIA with the men and women. Would you like to take over the women's RCIA? And I said, I'm all over that. So I, and again, just like the Adoration Chapel, I thought, you know what? I'll go do, I'll volunteer at the jail maybe once or twice a month just to like punch in my time card, right? I've got time now. I, I should give back. And in the end, oh my goodness, it didn't take long for me to say, that's my hour. That's mine. I own it. And I was in and out of that jail all the time, all the time, all the time. One of the biggest blessings of my life. Hmm. Those women, I just loved them. And, you know, I would form relationships, but of course they leave. Then always I would have new gals come in who I formed through relationships with. And of course, only at the jail, in the jail setting. But It was huge. And those ladies would challenge me and ask me questions. Well, what a blessing because I learned apologetics, right? I was digging and digging through every apologetics book I had to help these gals and explain the Catholic faith. I can't tell you how many were baptized and ended up coming into the Catholic church actually too. But that was my jail experience. And then um, after I graduated, with my degree in biblical theology, I had told my husband, I just want it for myself, but no, while I was going through my education, God planted it on my heart that you love biblical school. Why don't you teach it? So mm-hmm. I did apply. I graduated in, in uh, 2011 and Ben Akers was the director at the time. And he hired me in 2012 as a part-time instructor. But the funny thing is, I'm asking God, you want me to teach sacred scripture? That knocks my socks off. Remember, I didn't even know who Moses was until 2005. My goodness. And this is only 2012. You want me to teach it? And then your uh, teaching focus, as I understand, was the Pentateuch and the historical books, right? So you ended up teaching about Moses. I, all I wanted to do when I applied was to teach the Pentateuch and historical books. Uh. I loved that. Well, that's not what Ben hired me to do. He said, I'd like you to teach the prophets. Oh, so that wasn't your choice to do that. He asked you. Oh, 
no, no, no. And I thought, God has a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> that I'm not comfortable with teaching the prophets at all. I don't want to teach the prophets. But do you see, Sarah, it comes back to God knows our hearts better than we do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're uncomfortable, Denise? Let me help you out with that. Well, the prophets well, certainly weren't very comfortable. <laughs> did, did you end up with any favorites? Oh, golly, yeah. Jeremiah. He's my favorite. I love them all. What happened? All my students know how I refer to the prophets, the boys. I (laughs) fell in love with the boys. And Jeremiah was my favorite. Mike is a close second. And the rest of them, I, I love them. So Denise, I would love to ask those who are listening right now, if you're listening to this, I wonder what you think about the prophets in the Old Testament. You know, do you have a favorite? What is it that you like about their book or message? I'm going to be asking that question of our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible, and I would love to hear from you. And now, Denise, I can't wait to hear those responses, but I don't think that the prophets are really many people's go-to books of the Bible. If you could give one reason, one reason that someone should open their Bible to one of the prophets and start reading, what would it be? Well, the passage that you began with, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and following are just so comforting to me, but that, that would be where I would tell people to go and look. A great place to start, but if you could only give someone one reason to read the prophets, what would it be? Well, what I fell in love with was the fact that they point so clearly to Christ. Even in the Old Testament. Oh, my goodness. And when every year when I started, I said, to me, the prophets are like this big hinge. They're this big hinge. And what they're doing is they're pulling the rest of the Old Testament together and joining it to the New Mm. Testament. And there are the prophets right dead center in the middle. Can you give an example of of one that does that? There's so many of them and um, so many, but the one of... One of uh, my favorite chapters in Ezekiel is chapter 34, because Ezekiel is talking in the day, in his day, he's an exilic prophet. So he's prophesying from exile in Babylon, and he's talking about the wicked shepherds, right? The wicked shepherds back in Israel. The leaders. The leaders, Mm -hmm. the leaders of his day and how wicked they are. And so he's saying to the leaders in his day that they're corrupt. Right? You're not taking care of the needs of the people. You are corrupt. And he goes on and lists everything they're doing. And, and what you see there, if you read those verses, chapter 34, verses 1 through 6, they have failed to feed the sheep. They have failed to heal the sick and the crippled. And they have failed to bring back the lost. The people are scattered. All right. They're not in union with, with God. So as you look at Ezekiel, you have to realize, oh, there are other prophets that have prophesied the same thing as well. Micah has done the same thing. He's prophesied before Ezekiel, but he condemned the wicked shepherds as well. So in chapter three of Micah, he has condemned the wicked leaders. Jeremiah has done the same. In chapter 23 of Jeremiah, he says, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. So all of that said, then you look at Ezekiel, and he goes on to talk about a good shepherd, a good and true shepherd. 
And so in Ezekiel chapter 34 again, listen to verse 11, just 11 alone. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. That's the Lord God. He will be the shepherd. He will search for the sheep and seek them out. Okay, it's the Lord God's going to be the good shepherd. Well, fast forward to John's gospel. When you start connecting the dots, it's just amazing. When you look at John's gospel, verses 7, chapter 10, verses 7 through 16. So Jesus again said to them, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So you know who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees. That's who he's talking to. And he says, I am the good shepherd. All righty. So what is he saying? What did we see in Ezekiel? And what did we see in, in Isaiah? The Lord God is the good shepherd. He's the shepherd. So what is Jesus doing here? He's making a divine claim. I'm the good shepherd that the prophets prophesied. Psalm 23, verse 1 as well. So think about it. When Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd, it's not just a saying about himself. By saying that, he's calling the Jewish leaders in his day, the wicked shepherds. It's you. You are the wicked shepherds. You know, it's a slap in the face to the Pharisees. And you can see things haven't changed much throughout Israel's history. Same thing's happening in Jesus's day that happened in Ezekiel's day. When you go on and look at Ezekiel and what God says he will do in chapter 34, again, verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when some of his sheep have been scattered abroad so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. All right. The Lord God will seek them out. The Lord God's going to search for and rescue his flock. Well, just think about if Jesus is the good shepherd, he's going to do this. So go to Luke's gospel, chapter 15. What do you see there? You see three parables. And one of them is the parable of the lost sheep. Right. It's beautiful. Um, and he goes on in Ezekiel, verses 13 and 14. What does Ezekiel say? He says, and I will feed them. Well, think about it. What is Jesus? He's saying, I'm the good shepherd, right? So he's going to feed us, right? How does he continue to feed us? Obviously with the Eucharist, right? He feeds us with the Eucharist. What else does Jesus command Peter, right? He charges Peter to shepherd his flock. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. So again, Jesus Christ continues to feed and heal and gather sheep through his body. The church, aren't we blessed? Well, it's so beautiful the way that sheep and shepherd imagery goes all the way through the whole thing. And I'm oh, sure... Yeah. That the Jews, as they listened to Jesus, because they knew that background so well, oh, yeah. that would help them to understand Jesus as the Messiah. But for us looking back on it, somebody might say, you know, why can't I just read the gospel? Why do I need all that background? But the thing about it is that if you know the history of Israel, you mm -hmm. know that when Israel had poor shepherds, God did step in and rescue them. 
he did step in and return them to their land and yeah. feed them. And that that God who was faithful to Israel is faithful and takes care of us today. Oh, yeah. So just knowing the prophets can give us that assurance in a really beautiful way. Oh, all the beautiful connections. Yeah. It's, it goes on and on and on. It's just beautiful. And you wrote several essays for the women's Bible that draw from the prophets. And I think some people would find it surprising that these ancient prophets would have anything to say to us today. Okay, sure, they point to Jesus. That's that's nice. But but why should I read it? Why should I take a prophet to my holy hour and pray with it? Um, you know, do you find that they actually speak to you in your life? Oh, yes. Oh, all the time. And I used to tell my students when I was teaching the prophets, don't just read them and study them. Pray them because mm-hmm. they will change your life. Pray the prophets, just like all of sacred scripture. But I think as Catholics, we hear the prophets, you know, read at mass and they mean nothing to us. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand the connection between the first reading and the gospel. And so if you do indeed get into the prophets and and read them and study them, they'll be life changing. And I I always told my students, what I want for you is I'm hoping that the mass will come alive for you as you journey through the prophets, because now you're going to be able to put things in proper historical context and you're going mm-hmm. to know Israel's history. And so mass should come alive for you. Um, and you said that you've told me earlier that that verse that I read at the beginning, Jeremiah 20, 11, is probably your favorite verse and the reason that you love the prophets. And I'll yes. just say it again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Why has that been so meaningful to you, practically speaking? May I read the next verse as well? Yes, please. Well, the whole thing, is, it just speaks dear to my heart. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that just speaks volumes to me because I know he has a plan for me. Just like all those years in the chapel, he took me in places I never, ever, ever could have imagined. His plans didn't meet my plans. He took me in a better direction. And so I guess for me, when I read this, and I would tell my students, have you asked God what his plan is for you? Hmm. And I don't care how old you are. He's got a plan for you. And have you asked him what that is? Have you listened to him? Right. And, and, and I said, there are different ways. I would say, guide me according to your will. Let me never make a decision that's contrary to your will. Guide me. And my biggest prayer has always been as an adult, when I started going to the chapel, this is what I started praying. Use me as your instrument. Use me as your instrument. In other words, you have a plan. I don't know what it is, but use me. All righty. So what did he do with me? Took me to jail. 
took me to a degree in theology and teaching at the seminary. What? And teaching the prophets. That was it. Those were his plans for me. So if you ask him that, use me as your instrument. What is your plan for me? You better hold on. Because right? <laughs> he will. He will. And you just need to be open to his plan in your life. Back when I was in college, I went to a small Christian school, and toward the end of the year, you would see that verse popping up everywhere. People would put it on their mirrors in the right. bathroom and on the on their door because I think everybody's thinking about graduating. You yeah. know, and what am I going to do next? And just to know that God had plans for them. Yeah. And I was so surprised years later when I really studied Jeremiah and I started to get the context. And it turns out that it's it's much deeper than that. I think we had this idea, oh, God ha- God's going to give me a great career and he's oh, got a husband for me yeah. and he has all these beautiful things for me. I'll back up and read the verse right before what you read. This is verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place mm-hmm. for I know the plans I have for you and so on. Jeremiah is saying this to the people as they're going into exile and they're losing Jerusalem. Everything that they know and love and everything that God promised them is about to get destroyed. And he's telling them, go to Babylon, you know, pray for the place where you are, you know, build your houses, you know, plant your gardens, plant your gardens, live there because I'm going to bring you back. But when he says, I know the plans I have for you, they included exile. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we sometimes have a hard time understanding, that sometimes God can have a good plan for us that goes through the difficult times. Yes. And Jeremiah can be so, so helpful for us as we consider our own situation. And sometimes we might be starting to doubt that God has a plan, but he right. does have a plan and it's a plan for good. Right. And we have to trust. Just trust. You know, just pray every day for an increase in trust. You know, help me to trust his plan for us. I have to kind of laugh at myself because we've moved cross country now since um, I retired last June. And I came here in this parish I'm in is not the RCIA program isn't what it should be. And I've said, look, I'll help teach a little bit, but I'm not doing RCIA. I'm no desire. (laughs) (laughs) And what I think God is saying to me, you want to bet? I mean, I I don't know at this point. I just have to trust him. Okay. I just say, okay, however you want to use me, use me. But yeah, it's just trusting that he's got us. Yeah, he's got us no matter what. Yeah. So I would really love to pray with those who are listening using that passage from Jeremiah. And I'll start with verse 10 and read through the very beginning of 14 as you did. So if you're listening, close your eyes and just allow the word to speak to your heart. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Maybe if you're listening, maybe you're in some kind of exile or your life has gotten off track. But God is the same today as he was then. You can trust his care and his timing, whatever your circumstances. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. 
plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hear that spoken to you. God works all things for the welfare, for the good of those who love him. Then, he says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. How can you seek him today with all your heart? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving care that includes a plan for our good, whatever it might look like at the moment. Thank you, too, for the lives and the words of the Old Testament prophets, which still speak to us today, and for the word of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in Scripture. Give us the grace that we need to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. And Mary, Mother of the Word, pray for us. Thank you so much, Denise, for joining me today. Ooh. You know, I've really enjoyed reading your reflections in the Women's Bible and also the blog posts that you have on the St. John Vianney website. And I encourage other people to read those as well. I'll put a link to those posts in the show notes. But before I close, is there anything else you'd like to share with those who are listening? No, I don't think so. My daughter, it's funny how the Holy Spirit works. She said to me yesterday, she has a dear friend who says to her, I don't like when God's plans don't match mine. <laughs> I said, okay, well now I want you to share with her, <laughs> you know, my little life's journey. I said, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> God's plans he knows always he knows end in our good. We do. He does. Yes, he, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope that you'll join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. Take part in our conversation about the prophets. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, it's available to you now for the special price of $59.95 and free shipping. Just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. The offer expires at the end of 2023. And may God richly bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.